Happy National Chicken Month to you all. This is Ricardo, and here are the audio eggs that Popping Collars will be leaving in your podcast feed for September 2022. We're hatching up a brand new episode of the flagship Popping Collars podcast this month. Your favorite irreverent Episcopalians get all fancy while discussing their favorite poetry and song lyrics. Betsy Carmody spreads her wings on a brand new episode of the PC Music Diary when she talks about the song I Am a River by the Foo Fighters. Going on 30 is serving up some chicken tenders with fava beans and a nice Chianti this month. When Betsy and Greg look back at that classic thriller, The Silence of the Lambs. Finally, Greg and Ryan strut their stuff on a brand new episode of The Sacred Six when they talk about their experiences walking the Camino de Santiago and La Rioja and Castilla y León. Thanks for listening to us clock on about religion and pop culture. And remember to keep those collars hot. Cluck, cluck. I like your podcast, Alice. What is your podcast about? Hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend. Did you just groan? No. When I said hanging out with your smartest and funniest friend. Like that. Like that. You did it again. No, I didn't. First of all, a podcast takes a lot of work, okay? You have to organize the guests. You have to do a Google calendar. And then you build a following. It takes a lot of time. And I've been working on it for a while. See what I want so much, she never hurt this bad, never did this before, that's what the virgin says, we've been generally warm. That's Hello everyone and welcome to Popping Collars, the Popping Collars podcast that keeps you... It is the Popping Collars podcast. <laughs> We're going to start that over. That keeps you popped? <laughs> <laughs> wow, there's a lot popping in this introduction. <laughs> Whew. Ooh, goodness. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Popping Collars, the podcast that lives at the intersection of religion and popular culture. My name is Ricardo. I am uh, Ricardo Avila, that is. I am one of your co-hosts, and I am the rector of St. Luke's Episcopal Church in Los Gatos, California. And with me are my three awesome co-hosts with whom I hope to get grow old together. Uh, did I say that? With whom I hope to grow old. Uh, and uh, let's introduce these young'uns now, uh, beginning with Betsy. Betsy. Hi, Betsy Carmody here at the Episcopal High School in Alexandria, Virginia. And we are right here beginning of the school year. It's happening. It's all happening. And I'm looking forward to it. It's good. Wonderful. Thanks, Betsy. Also with us today uh, is Liz. Liz, tell us. Hey, Ricardo. I'm Liz Easton. I'm the canon to the ordinary in the Diocese of Nebraska. I have been driving across Nebraska a lot recently. As you all know, it probably looks like I always am, but I needed to get out there, made some questionable decisions about my calendar. So I was just on the road for a couple of weeks, but um, got to listen to some great audiobooks, got to see some great people, ate at least one delicious BLT. And um, it's been great. Nice. Thank you, Liz. And last and most, oh. not least, is Greg. Wow. Hi, Ricardo. Greg Knight. Uh, down here in Palm Beach, Florida, where I'm the associate for Christian formation at the Church of Bethesda by the Sea. 
And it is September, which means that it is time for our annual youth trip to Universal Studios. Let me tell you, ain't nothing quite like taking a dozen sixth graders to Universal. It's uh, it is an adventure. If you ever want to give yourself a challenge, I would invite you to chaperone that trip. If you want to keep your sanity, I'd invite you to just stay home. (laughs) (laughs) Good advice, Craig. Thank you. Thank you so much. Don't they, I mean, they have like Apple tags for luggage. Can't you do that with like children? Yeah, that's right. Just Uh, tile them all. Yeah. yeah. Oh, wow. Well, thank you, Greg. Well, good luck with that. Um, You know, one of the perks of being the uh, facilitator of uh, discussion uh, on our podcast is that I don't have to try to think of a story to tell about what I'm doing in Los Gatos, California. But just this once, I actually have a story, so I'm just going to share it. Uh, By the time you hear this, uh, listeners, I will be in France for three weeks on a a spiritual pilgrimage. It really is a spiritual pilgrimage, but it just happens to include wine and escargot and chocolate and lots of museum going. And Uh, bread. Wait, escargot and chocolate? together i hadn't thought of that no so escargot is actually really delicious with garlic butter and then what people will Mm. tell you is anything's delicious with garlic butter that's a vehicle for butter Mm. yeah Yeah. there you go and and bread i eat is it slimy is it is it like an oyster like what's going on with the escargot no no i can't remember it's been a few years Uh, i'll let you know next month i think Um, it kind of has the consistency of a mollusk like a clam or a... It's not liquidy, though. It's really cooked in that butter. Yeah. It, it's not like congealed snot. It's more no. like... Yeah. It's a I'm little sorry, piece of meat. It's a little piece of meat, I think. Okay. It's a slow-moving little piece of meat. Yeah. Well, folks, uh, that is, uh, if that's any indicator, we're in for quite an episode. Snail so, talk. <laughs> snail talk. This episode, we've decided to do with something a little different. And that is to share a little bit about ourselves. At least I hope that's what we're going to do. You've had a life. You've had songs that meant a lot to you. You've read a poem or a piece of writing that really kind of got you and helped you understand something about your life or your destiny or your hopes or your dreams. Let me just cut to the quick here. We all have a favorite song that when we hear it really takes us back to a feeling or a time or a place or a decision we had to make. And that song, or that lyric, that poem ha- holds a special place in our heart. Mm-hmm. And today uh, we're hoping to share each of us uh, one example of that so that, uh, you know, so we can talk a little bit about ourselves and uh, and pay homage to those special words that kind of got us through some point. And I imagine everyone who's human who listens to music or reads has something like that. Um, so we'll see if it works today. But thank you. I- so the magic bag. Okay, the bag is on camera, listeners. I have pulled a chip out of the bag. Everyone saw it happen. It is an L for Liz Eason. Oh, here we go. I think I've actually talked about this on the pod before, which is only, I guess, to say that it's a meaningful, tiny moment in my life. So I will talk about it again. But first, I want to say I am a big reader, as listeners of the podcast know. I used to be a writer. Now I just write sermons, but my undergraduate degree was in creative writing. And um, I found it hard 
to do this exercise tonight. I was like, surely I'll pick something I've never talked about before. And that these people have Mm. never heard me talk about. I don't know if I've done this one in great detail, but, um, I couldn't like, I just didn't have it in me to go search for something. So instead I am going to tell a little story about a little poem written by Lou Reed. I went to college. I graduated from high school in um, the spring of 2001. And I went to a state college in Washington State, Western Washington University, a public university, which uh, that is all just to say that it started later in the fall than most of my friends did who went out of state or went to public universities. So I was kind of left alone in Seattle getting ready for this major life transition that fall. I worked in downtown Seattle in a skyscraper in a law firm that I had worked at for a long time and continued to work there for a long time. That transition to college was just really um, hard for me and also big. Also, um, significantly ended my first um, real relationship with um, going away to college. My um, high school boyfriend and I, who were really, it was a very sweet, loving first relationship. And we decided to not do long distance. So, parted as good friends that summer. But so for me, it was my first real heartbreak. Anyway, um, fast forward a little bit and 9-11 happened. And our younger listeners really probably, from what I can tell working with younger people, think of 9-11 as a historic event. They might think about it the way that I thought about it when my parents talked about JFK being assassinated, like an awareness that it was a big moment for people, but feeling disconnected to it over the course of history. And truly the world changed because of that event um, in a way that I at least couldn't anticipate at that time. I remember people saying, this is going to change everything. And I remember thinking, how can that be? Sure enough, it really did change everything, but it was really scary. And part of the fear for those of us living through it was, first of all, that in the United States, we hadn't really seen anything quite like that before. So it was really um, scary in that way. There was a big collective grief happening that um, is, if you've ever experienced that before, it's really particular when people grieve different losses collectively. Everybody had a connection. And kind of a lot like the beginning of COVID, just everything shut down. There was like this big pause button when we all um, wondered what was going to happen next and what am I supposed to feel? What am I supposed to do? What can I do? So I went to college. Like, I think I moved like the next weekend. And in fact, I was supposed to go up to Vancouver, BC to visit my best friend that weekend, but the borders were all closed. So it it was that type of thing. My college had a program that a lot of colleges had, maybe you did this too, where you could sign up really cheap, like really inexpensively to receive the New York Times, the Daily Times. You didn't get it on the weekend. You got the Daily Times. And I was a smart, young poet. And I thought, well, I'll, I'll read the New York Times every day. And I did. And it was in, um, I thought that it was in October, but I'm looking at the times right now. And it was actually in November. Um, they had this series called songs for the city and they were poems or the lyrics to songs that were written as responses to nine 11. 
And what's interesting to me now, all of these years later, is that it's only about right now that people are able to create okay art about 9-11. Like when it was so fresh and so consuming and, as I said earlier, so collective, we just didn't have the critical distance. But for whatever reason, there are lyrics in this song that I've never forgot. Like they just like live inside my head now. And um, I have preached, you know, when I've preached about 9-11, I've preached about this when I've, I've mentioned it in um, anytime something really major happens that changes the boundaries of our world in a way that is both really big and really small. So like there's this meta response and this like micro response all happening at once. And I think Lou Reed does a really beautiful job describing that um, in this poem, which I'm going to read. Lou Reed's longtime partner was the artist, Lori Anderson. Um, and the song is called Lori Sadly Listening. Lori, if you're sadly listening, the birds are on fire, the sky glistening, while I atop my roof stand watching staring into the spider's clypeus, incinerated flesh repelling, while I am on the rooftop yearning, thinking of you. Laurie, if you're sadly listening selfishly, I miss your missing the boundaries of our world now With someone sick reasons And I had thought A beautiful season was upon us Lori, if you're sadly listening The phones don't work The birds afire The smoke curls black I'm on the rooftop Liberty to my right still standing Lori, evil's gaunt desire is upon we. Lori, if you're sadly listening, know one thing above all others. You are all I really thought of as the TV blared the screaming, the death-like snowflakes silent screaming. All I wished was you to be holding, bodies frozen in time jumping, birds of fire, one thing me thinking. Lori, if you're sadly listening, love you. Lori, if you're sadly listening, love you. And that's the poem, which I think is very beautiful and it's very specific um, to that moment. But the, one of the things that was and is so moving to me is this experience where something huge happens and your heart goes, your heart and mind goes to the people that you love most, even as the entire world is changing. And this idea of boundaries shifting um, has just always stuck with me. So that's my story about Lori Sadly Listening by Lou Reed. There is something about the voice, too. It's like Lou Reed, the Velvet Underground, like that is quintessential New York. And I understand that, like, you know, uh, Bruce Springsteen has this air of Americana about him and stuff. But I mean, he's a Jersey voice. Like there's something about having an authentic voice from the city. It hits a little different to hear it from Lou Reed, I think. Well, and Laurie Anderson too, you know, like the, the two of them together, mm-hmm. just like, 
in all the dark and light nooks and crannies of of that of that city. Yeah, and being separated and still yearning for each other in that moment of um so you see it as she's not there like she's at a distance and he's on the roof yeah and the phones don't work and he can't call her but she's the person that he's thinking of Mm -hmm. um greg i want to pick up on something you just said i i hadn't thought of this but you're right you know when you think of lou reed uh for instance he grew up with new york city i mean his life is intertwined with you know, CBGBs and all that, and the Andy Warhol scene and all those things that were going on. And so uh, it, you're, it, it gives it a, a more of a, a sorrowfulness knowing that it's from someone who has the city deep in their, deep in their soul kind of thing. Thank you, Liz. <clears throat> well done, brave, brave and faithful servant. Thank you. Does anyone know what a Clypeus is? It's gotta be some part of a spider, right? That's what I was thinking. <laughs> I'm thinking like I don't want to look it up because I don't like spider pictures. Yeah. I'm just gonna hey Siri, that. what's a clypeus? The clypeus is one of the sclerites that make up the face of an arthropod. In insects, the clypeus delimits the lower margin of the face with the labrum articulated along the ventral margin of the clypeus. Do you want me to keep reading? <laughs> no. no. I, <laughs> <laughs> I do not. Oh. Do you want to see a picture of this? No, do not. No, I do not. You don't want to stare into the spider eyes? No. What are you afraid is going to stare back at you, Betsy? Mm. I got in trouble in fifth grade because we got we got our textbooks at the beginning of the year. We got got your science textbook. I flip it open. It's one of those chapter front big pictures of a freaking close up of a spider. And I screamed and closed the book. And I got tagged as being overdramatic by my teacher. Oh, All right, we're watching that hand go into that bag. And in the bag, on screen. Oh, hey, it came out of G. Look at that. Mr. Greg, I didn't have an idea for this uh, for most of the week. So I was kind of scrambling to come up with uh, something to talk about for today. And then on the radio came a song by the Cranberries called Ode to My Family, which I hadn't heard in a really long time. And it was, uh, and it was beautiful. And it made me, it made me sort of like flashback to like early nineties music with like, like women's voices, but just in that sort of high register from the early nineties alt scene. And so I was like, wow, cranberries i haven't heard them in a really long time let me sort of go down a rabbit hole and start exploring and that's when i ran into the song that i'm going to talk about today and the lyric that i'm going to talk about today which is here's where the story ends by the sundays Here's 
gosh. You know how you hear a song a lot of times and there are moments in the lyrics where you're like, because you don't know what the lyric is. So you just kind of like hum your way through it because you're like, I don't know what that person just said. Like all uh, of Yellow Lead Better by Pearl Jam. Like all of Pearl Jam. (laughs) You you don't miss a beat. It taking the slam and a swing. Get those sweet boys from Seattle. I we should just one day talk. I love Eddie Vedder, but recently <laughs> I was listening to Yellow Lead Better and I was like, is this a joke? Was he joking with us? <laughs> there are no words. There are no words. Anyway, go oh, ahead. Yellow Lead Better is all about the Mike McCready guitar. That yeah. is what Yellow Lead Better is about. Uh, so anyway, so here's where the story ends is one of those songs that I was like, I know some of the words, right? She's talking about basically like breaking up with a lover or something is what it kind of sounds like. You know, she's talking about uh, sort of finding something, a souvenir of a terrible year that makes her eyes feel sore um, is the way the chorus starts. But then the chorus leads into something. And this was the part that I always fudged through that I didn't know, which was, and I wish I hadn't said that the books that you read were all I loved you for, Mm. which is like, the saddest kind of like meanest lyric that, that I could so think saying of. This is how Ricardo and Liz break up with people because they're book nerds. <laughs> is this what it is? Oh no. Book love. All like when I read it, all of a sudden I was transported back to like all of the songs of heartbreak that I had ever experienced um, at, in a, in, over the course of a breakup or something like that. I remember standing in my uh, living room of my apartment and just like hitting my knees and cry. Like, you know, you just feel it so intensely of like this loss and this separation. And what makes it worse is that you remember like the harsh things that the person sent to you when they broke up with you or, um, or you just remember like how it sort of intensely you felt for this person and they didn't feel it in response. Right. And that's what that, that's what that lyric really nails for me is that feeling of like loss and, and I never really loved you for you anyway. Right. It was like the stuff around you. That was what I loved. Uh, And so it makes it easy for me to separate from you, but the name of the song is Here's Where the Story Ends. And that's sort of where the song starts. It starts with like this breakup. But by the end of the song, she's talking about sort of a different version of her life. So she says stuff like, um, what is it? It's a something souvenir of a colorful year that makes me smile inside is like the last verse, like that's the last chorus, right? So it's this, you've moved on past the trauma, right? The traumatic incident that you were focused on at the beginning. And so what it made me think about was that uh, this year has been a very traumatic year for me uh, between like loss and uh, like loss of a parent, just really sort of questioning a lot of stuff about like what I've been doing at work, what I've been doing in life, sort of stuff like that. And uh, I don't know if you guys know this, but I walked at the Camino uh, this summer. What? And there was, <laughs> there 
was a fart. I love it. I just said that for Betsy's response. But there was this moment leading up to that where I saw that as like an ending point for something in my life. You know how like sometimes you run into these moments of your life that feel like, boy, if I can just get to that thing, that would be a good ending. And I don't know what's on the other side of that thing. I'm just building up to that thing. And then whatever's on the other side, I'll deal with that later. Uh, That's what I hear from this song and this lyric, especially, right? Is this idea that like, whatever you think the end is, there's always something that comes after the end. And you always kind of have to live into that too, like whatever that is. And that doesn't mean that you're not going to have another ending that comes up in life. Uh, And it doesn't mean that that ending isn't going to be hard and isn't going to drive you down to your knees, like crying in the middle of your living room. But it does mean that there is another life that exists after it. And so here's where the story ends by the Sundays was uh, what came up for me uh, this time. So I think one of the things about breakup songs that is so poignant to me is how if you have had heartbreak recently, they're all true. You're just like, I can't believe how like accurate that song is. (laughs) And if you're removed from it, you're kind of like, oh, yeah, that's wow. That's a little much. I just know, especially when I was younger, going through breakups, people would tell me like, but it's going to get better. Like you'll one day you'll wake up and you won't think about them. And it's just the dumbest thing in the world to say to someone. And at the same time, it's totally true because what you're saying, Greg, is absolutely true. Like one day you realize that this was a passageway and there was something on the other side of it. But when you're in the middle of it, you cannot see that. You can't contemplate it. It is an impossible eventuality. And anyone who says it to you is a terrible friend. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Thank you, Greg. So you, if I'm next, that's fine, but I'm going to pass. Is that okay? Is that okay with you, Betsy? Yeah. I'd rather have you be honest and I'll pass than to lie. If it, you know, pretend to pick Betsy kind of thing. I have a B for Betsy. No. It happened. I, you saw me reach into the bag. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Magic can't be any more open about this process. So I'm kind of at this weird disadvantage because Greg has also asked me to record a music diary as well. So I like I had to kind of parse what I was going to say, like because because I had a couple kind of going on, and the other thing that's also kind of been going on, a couple of songs going on because I'm more. I mean, I've I've loved poetry in my life. But for me, I think that it's that love of poetry that leads into love of music and love of song. And as I said, I, I love lyrics and 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 what people can do with them and turn them and twist them and surprise you. And so I uh, I've also been sitting here thinking we did this we did this vespers in March, and often I you know I love my friends in the dean's office they're amazing, but they will sometimes put vespers right at the doorway to a break as this other school obligation. So everybody suddenly is like, but there's no other earlier train to Richmond. So I have to leave at three P three 30. So they put seated dinner and Vespers. So would they do that before Thanksgiving? And they do it also before spring break. And so I had a couple of colleagues come to me and say, look, we really, they were both um, one had worked here much longer than I had and had lived through kind of a time here at Episcopal where we had a lot of bands, like the the folks, that, there were a couple of folks in the music department who were really into connecting 
kids and adults who like to play music and making like little bands. And so they'd have band assemblies, like people playing songs. And so, and more band work in chapel. And so she said, well, what if we have that Vespers be a music Vespers? And we pick like three to four songs and we have a full, the altar party is not setting up the altar. It's just a band. And so people will write a reflection about the song and then they could or could, may or may not participate with the band in sharing and playing the song. So kind of in, in, in a liturgical setting, celebrating this importance of music. That's so sweet. I love that idea. Yeah, it was great. And, and the songs were great. And there were some songs that the kids did know, some songs that they didn't know. Everybody left feeling awesome. You know, I had several kids who were like, I can't wait till I'm going to do Taylor Swift or, you know, whatever it is that they wanted to do walking out of there. Right. And I'm also like, you know, we're going to expand the genre. And so I've also been sitting here thinking about what is a song that I would love to be in the chapel and have my students hear. And I'm, I'm a big um, Arcade Fire fan. And sometimes it's tough with Arcade Fire because their music is so, there's such escape that is laid with their music that it isn't, the lyrics sometimes are not the powerhouse in what they've created. But when then when they layer that with, with the music that's happening and the composition that's happening, and then you put it together with a visual, which they're very good at in their stage shows and in their, in their videos, that then it kind of becomes a complete picture. And, and the song is Unconditional One, parentheses, because they love doing that. And they also love putting Roman numerals in their song. <laughs> um, Look Out Kid. And it was written with the two main folks in the band who are husband and wife, right? So Wim Butler and, and his wife, Regine, they have a son who's about nine. And the lyrics of the song just really talking about youth and growing up and this kind of song that you would sing to your, to your child. In not a lullaby kind of way. You know, when I think about my ministry in general, the song comes to mind. When I think about um, we we lost a member of the class of 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, He, as his parents say, he died from depression. Mm -hmm. Right. And there's parts of this song that that, you know, I really just wish I could play right for Charlie um, Mm -hmm. in, uh, in that kind of way. And I also think about it as a mom that this really speaks to me and how how I think the world works because at a certain point as a parent you're not you're not and you're not really in control but were you ever the song is this look out kid trust your heart you don't have to play the part they wrote for you just be true there are things that you could do that no one else on earth could ever do but I can't teach them I can't teach that to you Look out, kid, trust your mind, but you can't trust it every time. You know it plays tricks on you, and it don't give a damn if you're happy or you're sad. But if you've lost it, don't feel bad, because it's alright to be sad. Look out, kid, trust your body, you can dance and you can shake. Things will break, you make mistakes, you lose your friends again and again. Because nothing's ever perfect. No one's perfect. Let me say it again. No one's perfect. A lifetime of skin knees and heartbreak comes so easy, but a life without pain would be boring. And if you feel it, it's mine. I give you everything that's mine. I give you my heart and my precious time. Look out, kid. Trust your soul. It ain't hard to rock and roll. 
you know how to move your hips and you know God is cool with it. And some people want the rock without the roll, but we all know there's no God without soul. A lifetime of skin knees and heartbreak comes so easily, but a life without you would be boring for someone like me. And there's a lot of repeating and singing at the end. But um, um, Wynn and Regine were interviewed on Smartless with um, Will Arnett, Jason Bateman, and Sean Hayes. And you could tell that Will Arnett is a super fan of Arcade Fire. And he's trying not to fanboy all over. He's doing a pretty good job. But you could tell that as a parent of a child or children around their age, that this, this kind of stuff just really affected you at the, you know, at this place of COVID and all of those sorts of things. And what the world that you're, you know, the world feels like it's on fire and you're watching these kids having to make sense of all of that. And it's like, I don't know whether we could perform this in chapel. Like, this is a hard song. Like, I don't know whether we could do this, but I, you know, I think about that because it's like, it's what I want to tell every one of my kids here, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah the kid in my house, the kids down the hall, you know, it's, it's what I deeply believe from that for them. Life will be hard. So there's my song unconditional parenting story uh, is that I think I didn't fully appreciate until I had one of these creatures living in my house is just how like fragile and vulnerable babies are like, they're just like, they're in constant need. Another thing that I didn't fully appreciate is how that thing that imprints on your mind, like it just carries forward (laughs) through life. And so you just find yourself staring at them as a three-year-old on the playground. And you're just like begging the older kids, like, just be cool to my kid, please. Like, don't, (laughs) don't like ignore her or push her off of slides or like whatever. You, You just see like all these steps of development and stuff, but like, you can't live their life for them, you know, like it, like all of that stuff they have to just kind of do, like you say in the song, you know, the emotion of it is overwhelming sometimes. And Betsy, I think that like where it can really transfer for someone like you, uh, someone in your position, someone in my position is that these kids that are, you know, given over to your spiritual care, they take on that same quality for you to the point mm-hmm. that like, you're just sort of desperate for them to do well, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah. Yeah. It's I had um, actually in my opening sermon, I had, um, I brought up anamnesis, the uh, ritual of remembering um, and the rituals we create to bring the power of a past moment into the present and kind of asking folks to think back from before the pandemic and what's kind of a moment of joy at whatever school community they were involved in, whether it's here or someplace else. And, and could you, could you bring the, not recreate that moment, bring the power of that moment into, into now. And mine was, you know, making food, making pizzas, pizza challenge, pizza making in my apartment. It was mess. And we were decorating my Christmas tree. It was December, 2019. And it was just one of the best memories. And Mm -hmm. Just being, and the, you can tell, like, I have a video of it, and the kids are, like, nervous about exams, nervous about college. Like, there's just a lot going on. But you're like, listen, we're going to make it through, and, you know, you may have the best piece of the night. Who knows? Like, it's going to be great. But, yeah. But That's I think, true. yeah, I think they, in this in this piece, they just kind of nail that middle moment mm-hmm. of, you know, 
listen, I want to tell you a little bit more truth about the world. You spend mm-hmm. your time kind of hiding mm-hmm. the world from your kids. And, you know, the world is not the nicest place, but you should know this is yeah. how I feel about you. Right. Mm. Right. Thank you, Betsy. You got it. Oh. All right, Ricardo, you're batting cleanup for us. All right. Awesome. I realize as I'm listening to you all and thinking about what song I'm going to talk about, that I think, you know, there's that game of like, if you had to, you know, if you had to lose every piece, every kind of art, but one, which would you stay with? You know, would you, oh, like if you could only have books or if you could only have movies or if you could only have music or dance or like artwork, what would you do? And I honestly think as much as I love books, I think it'd be music. I remember being a little kid and having my little closing play uh, with my 45 RPMs with a little plastic thing that goes in the middle. And I would just sit there and play the records that my mom would buy. I, you know, get them for 99 cents, like all the time. And I'd listen to the radio and I'd listen to Casey Kasem's Top 40. And uh, I remember um, when I had a cassette player and they did the countdown, like you could play whole albums at some point on the radio. And I remember recording the entire, it was The River, I guess, because it was like 1980. Bruce Springsteen, and I was under the dining room table, like in a little tent I'd made, and I recorded it because it was like late at night, and it was like the number three album of the year or something. Anyway, that's all to say music just always been there. This exercise that I've asked us to do for this particular episode, I've used at parish retreats at St. Luke's San Francisco, at St. Luke's Long Beach, at St. Mark's Palo Alto, and then for a vestry retreat at St. Luke's Los Gatos. And invariably, every time, at least one person breaks down in tears Um, because the exercise and also Betsy, when we did the Walnut Creek thing with Feel Dead, there were like a couple people crying. And I think music touches you in a way. Yeah, I know. Music, music touches you, can touch you in a way that can be deeper uh, for me anyway, there's something about the, the sound, the sound with the lyrics, you know, you have a, it's like a double whammy. I, I think it's a kind of a sacred exercise because people sometimes have trouble sharing about themselves, but if you give them like a little vehicle to use, Oh, I love this song because blah, blah, blah. And some of like the songs I thought were the dumbest, like had me crying when they were telling their story, you know, Oh, really? She picked that song. That's so dumb. So Anyway, all that's to say, there are any number of songs I could pick. I mean, the hardest part was narrowing it down to one. Uh, But I want to give sort of a a runner-up kudos to um, Tracy Chapman's Fast Car, because there is something about the refrain of that song. You know, it's about someone who's basically got nothing, you know, and she wants more for her life. And she meets this guy. And she has this magic moment when, you know, he puts his arm around her and they're driving. Your arm felt nice wrapped around my shoulder. And I had a feeling that I belonged and I had a feeling that I could be someone. And then he winds up disappointing her ultimately. And, and she kind of has to go back to having her, you know, grit and I'm going to get through this somehow anyway. So that, that disconnect between like what you long for and had a glimpse of and what's reality. So I should just make that my song actually and stop right there. But <laughs> but the song I chose, it just sort of came to me. And, you know, I didn't know John Prine that much. And when he died of COVID pretty early on, 
um, I went and listened to some of his music and he had a song uh, that I loved called Clay Pigeons. And so I looked it up online and it turns out that it's actually written by someone else. Uh, it's written by a guy named Blaze Foley, F-O-L-E-Y. I've never heard of, still don't know very well. And he was kind of like a alternative kind of country folk guy. He was like really big, like a bear kind of guy, but had these songs. And I think he had a troubled life and maybe was involved in like bar fights and stuff. But he had this poetic soul. He died and all these folks were like, he was amazing and really blazed, like his name says, for a brief time. And so the song Clay Pigeons, uh, he sings it. His lyrics, I think, are actually a little even more kind of intense. John Prine kind of toned a couple of the more emotional things down. I'm going to just read the lyrics. Clay Pigeons. I'm going down to the Greyhound station, going to get a ticket to ride. I'm on a fine lady with two or three kids and sit down by her side. A ride till the sun comes up and down around about two or three times. Smoking cigarettes in the last seat. Sing the song for the people of me and get along with it all. Where the people say y'all. I sing a song with a friend. Change the shape that I'm in And get back in the game And start playing again I'd like, to I'd like to stay, but I might have to go to start over again. Might go back down to Texas. Might go to somewhere that I've never been. And get up in the morning and go out at night and I won't have to go home. Get used to being alone. Change the words to this song and start singing again. I'm tired of running around looking for answers to questions that I already know. I could build me a castle of memories just to have somewhere to go. Count the days and the nights that it takes to get back in the saddle again. Feed the pigeons some clay, turn the night into day, and start talking again when I know what to say. And then he repeats, I'm going down to the Greyhound station, going to get a ticket to ride, going to find that lady with two or three kids and sit down by her side. Ride till the sun comes up and down around me about two or three times. Feed the pigeons some clay, turn the night into day, and start talking again when I know what to say. To me, the song is about, it's about screwing up and trying to get back on, on track again. It's, I, I, songs are so personal. You know, I, I, I have felt like a screw up for most of my life. It's silly. It's ridiculous. I, you know, I've had friends all my life, so why am I complaining? I, you know, but I've always felt like I never, I had never lived up to my potential. You know, when I started seminary, I was answering phones at a law firm in San Francisco, which I had been doing for seven years. And I, I was like, is this all there is? Is this all there is? You know, and the priesthood thing came out of left field from my rector and I fought it, you know, all the story. And now here I am and I'm, I'm really good at it. And uh, I sort of feel like I was saved, you know, and I don't. As I've said before, I don't always love it, but it's, it saved me, you know, it's um, because I, I, I did think, you know, you think less of yourself when you don't think that you're going to amount to much or, you know, you're so smart. I was like, Mr. Most Intelligent was the award I got in high school when I graduated. And then I went on to do like data entry jobs and all these other kind of office. I was the copy guy and for decades, like 20 years until I went to seminary. And um, 
And so what touches me about Blaze Foley's song, his situation, I'm sure, is completely different. But he's had some loss or, or screwing up in his life. And he's like, you know what? I'm going to just go and start the transition that I need to start to try again. You know, riding the Greyhound station is, or riding the Greyhound bus is this transitional moment. He's going to try to reach out to the woman with the three kids because she might be fed up and could use like some adult conversation and just be nice to her, you know, give her a break and um, do all these things to try to be good again. You know, that's, I think so much, some, there are people out there who are just trying to be good again. They feel like they did something wrong or they didn't live up to something. And so this song to me, it reminds me of that person. You know, we still carry that. The, the things that we thought we were and we kind of get over, I think you you have to kind of give up a percentage of your soul to it. It's like, okay, that's that part of my soul is still going to be the screw up. And that's okay because I, I carry that into my ministry. You know, I have empathy for people who feel like they haven't made it either. And I have empathy for people who um, are struggling. That's the best thing I think about my ministry is there anyone, you know, that you take what was painful and transform it into something useful, even if it doesn't benefit you. Having compassion for other people because of what you've gone through, I think, is the point of life. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Clay Pigeons by Blaze Foley. I'll yeah, Spotify has it. both the Blaze version and the John Prime version. What uh, other yeah. songs did Blaze Foley write? I don't even know. I mean, I only see this live album. So John Prime's version is kind of prettier. It's it's sort of nicer. Uh, but Blaze Foley's is just it's kind of intense. I love any song about a Greyhound station. And part part of that is because, like you said, Ricardo, like the the starting over and is often really humble. Like it's not like, well, I'm gonna start over by writing the great American novel. Or and I feel like I know people, and I've had this in my life too, that sometimes um you think that like you can't just have a little life. Like you have to have this huge impact and like, oh, I've really screwed up because I haven't become famous in this way or, you know, whatever it is, but this is just so humble. Like you can imagine that the thing that he screwed up was humbling and <laughs> the way that he starts over is, is simple um, and humbling too. Some of it's just about silence. I'm going to be quiet until I figure out what I'm supposed to say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Cause right. obviously to me, he said something unusual to say. like, so it's like, I'm just going to be, go over here and be quiet for a little bit. And that that being alone with that, as opposed to you could hear a story just like this in a song and they go to a bar, you know, this is not that right. The bar is not the sort of washing you clean with a landscape through the window of a greyhound. You know what I mean? Like that. You're right about that idea of transitional moments and that the Mm -hmm. road can be a part of that. The biggest line that John Prine changes in his song is in John Prine's version, he says, smoking cigarettes in the last seat, sing my song for the people I meet. In Blaze Foley's version, he says, smoking cigarettes in the last seat, trying to hide my sorrow from the people I meet. Mm. And that's intense. Yeah. You know, he's like, I, I, I can't let that be what leads me anymore. Right. You know? So and I'm so, recreating, but I still have the pain. Yeah. So, uh, Thank you, everyone. 
for sharing your stories. Holy mackerel. <laughs> That's our episode of Popping Collars. Thank you for being with us for uh, for the sharing. And, you know, maybe, maybe this episode will make you look back on a favorite poem or song that meant something to you. And you never know, you might get some insight into what you're what you're like now or what might be a helpful thing for you because i think the songs that call to you have something to say and if you don't listen you miss out so hopefully that works for you all and with that that's our episode i'd like to thank my co-hosts betsy carmody liz easton and greg knight thank you all and you listener are welcome to find us anywhere you found us for this episode, because we'll still be there as far as I can tell, uh, including some of you having found us through episcopaljournal.org, which is the new Episcopal Cafe. Uh, we love episcopaljournal.org, and we know you will too. Uh, you can also email us at, is it poppingcollars at gmail.com? Popping colors podcast at gmail.com. Okay. Popping colors podcast at gmail.com. One of these days I'll get this right. And uh, let us know what you're thinking. Tell us what your favorite song is or the song that really spoke to you. Gosh, tell us a story. Goodness gracious. We might even read it on the air, Ooh. so to speak, uh, in the future. And we'd love to hear uh, what you have to say. So uh, I think, have I said everything I need to say? I think you got it all. So until next time, keep those collars popped. Pop, pop. God, <laughs> like you were going over every option. I thought at one That's point you were going to say, you can send us a raven. To- <laughs> That's right. Folks, to our maester, our maester, you can send us a raven. Life's like poetry, but in my poem, babe, until now, there's always been a missing line. You know, life's too short to hide a good thing you feel.